Ramble. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to You Can Sit With Us. We are so happy to have you back. I am one of your hosts, Ariel. I'm sitting here with Maggie Hello. and Becky. Hi. And we have Rainy over there on the keys. Hello. Do, 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 do. Um, and today we are talking about something that we've had a lot of requests for. Um, we're calling it our Out of the Nest episode. Uh, so, you know, transitions, going to college, getting your first job, all of the things that you know, people who are in middle school or high school, they're looking forward to these things, but they're also thinking about them with a little bit of trepidation, mm. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys feel that way when you were going off to college, getting your first job, making these really big transitions in your life? I was excited. I feel like there was a lot of structure in college for mm. me. And so as time gone has gone on, I feel like I've had kind of a harder transition, like setting goals for myself and staying organized. Because I actually thrive off a lot of structure. And That's when I'm really giving too much free, I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Do you guys have that similar feelings? Like oh, as I, I adult, sure. have these transition more into deeper adulthood? I yeah. thrive with structure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have to, I think that one of the biggest um, uh, like tools that I learned to, um, I don't know, like do anything in life, mm -hmm. in, in my life in particular, um, was to create structure for myself. Yeah. You know, you go to school for like K through 12 mm -hmm. and you're given all this structure for so many years and then you're just like, okay, free think, go. Yeah. You're like, what do you want to do? Deadlines. What do you want to be? Yeah. You're like, I don't um, know. You've been telling me what to do for the last 12 years. Yeah. How am I supposed to figure it out? Yeah. Yeah. Becky, you're just giggling over there. Are you, do you agree? Do you disagree? I do. I'm just nodding. I'm just nodding. What would you say was the 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 first big transition that you made in your life where you had to, you know, just go out on your own? Probably college. Yeah, college. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was the first. Yeah, you know, the big jump when I didn't live at home anymore. You left the nest. I left the nest. Yeah. And never returned. No more home cooked meals, roommates, all that good stuff. Yeah. Being responsible for your own schedule. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Rainy, thank goodness for Rainy. She has given us a little bit of structure for this episode. Hey, <laughs> full circle. All right. Um, so, Let's get a speed rundown of uh, kind of the things that we majored in in college, what we did after graduating. Um, it looks like we could do the summer after graduating and then two years after graduating and how you really uh, decided which industry to go into. So if you guys don't know by now, I majored in nursing in college. 
Uh, the summer after graduating, I actually started working my sophomore year of college as a nurse's assistant. Um, and I continued working up until I transitioned to a registered nurse position. Um, and I just picked up more hours in the summer after I wasn't in full uh, college mode. And then two years after I graduated, I had fully been on my own. I did a new grad residency program uh, my first year as a nurse where they trained me and I had multiple preceptors on day shift and night shift and they taught me how to nurse. And then two years in, I was completely on my own, independent. Um, I had gotten my nurse, my peds nurse certification as well. Um, and then how I decided on which industry to apply to out of college. So I guess it was already pretty set for me when I decided I wanted to be a nursing, like a nursing school graduate, but I decided I wanted to do, to do peds pretty early on. I think I already had an idea when I was in high school, but when I did my peds clinical rotation, that kind of sold it for me. I was like, this is the place I love pediatric nursing. This is exactly what I wanted to do. And that's kind of how I transitioned into it. And then I was a nurse's assistant and I requested to be well, on the peds floor as often as I could. And then I even worked at the local children's hospital as well. And yes, that. And I, I, I loved it because it was just so set for me and I yeah. just had an, a, a goal to hit. And so it was really satisfying for me when I finally graduated and I was like, yes, check, check, check. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like there was like a path mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. knew what the path was and you took it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is a nursing assistant? So a nursing assistant, they call it different things at different hospitals, but uh, they, you can be called a CNA or uh, a care partner or what else did they call it? They called it a PCSA as where I worked, but basically, essentially, you're responsible for like eight to 10 patients, six to eight patients, depending on the floor, or you're basically helping the nurses with... Um, their own patients, vitals, bed baths, temperatures, vital signs, charting. It's like the workflow is different depending on what kind of floor you're on. But I was a float care partner, they call it, or a float nurse's assistant. So one day I would be in the ICU. Other days I'd be on the psych unit. Other days I'd be on the pediatric unit. So I kind of just got to get my feet wet in like all specialties and just decide from there. Sometimes I was a one-to-one -one sitter in the ER. Um, so yeah, kind of all over the place. I kind of miss being a student because I loved being a little fly on the wall and like being like, what's it like to work in this department? And you were just kind of always a breath of fresh air because you were always helping. So it was great. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, thank goodness you're here. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, extra <laughs> the float hands. Is here. The float's here. I'm like, hello. Yes. Here. Teach me the ways. I will help. <laughs> what about you, Ariel? Uh, uh, let's see. Okay. I majored in... Anthropology and sociology in college. Um, mm -hmm. I went to a liberal arts school. So, uh, you know, if you didn't really major, like if you didn't major in science, it, you're, you basically majored in the liberal arts, <laughs> you know? Um, it, the <sighs> choosing a major was pretty hard for me. Oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm giving my, my quick breakdown. Um, I majored in anthropology and sociology in college. Uh, what I did the summer after graduating college, I worked for my dad. I filed things and answered the phones 
and lived with my parents. Uh, I ate dinner with my parents every night. My dad and I drove to work together in the morning. We had the time of my life. Cute. And then uh, in October, I moved out to Chicago um, because there were no jobs anywhere. And uh, I honestly did not know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I needed money and I that I needed to get a job. So we I moved out to Chicago because... Um, there were a lot of alums from my college who lived there and I was like, well, maybe I can, uh, intern for somebody, um, you know, basically just be an extra set of hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. Uh, and then what, what was I doing two years after I graduated? I was working at, uh, this art conservation place. Um, and I had moved up from an unpaid intern to the registrar. Yeah. And, um, I went into art conservation, um, a, because it was, available. It was, it was there. And I thought I, I initially took the unpaid internship because I thought it was a really, really cool just thing to be in. I knew that I wanted to go into, um, like museum work and, um, art conservation was just, it's like this niche industry that was so interesting to me, uh, and became even more interesting after I started working there. And, um, yeah. So two years after I had sort of worked my way up in the company. Right. Yeah. What about you, Bex? Dope. <laughs> dope, 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 dope. Um, I went to Illinois State University, go Redbirds. And I was a double major, uh, broadcasting and acting. And then junior year, they both needed, you had, had to do requirements both in the morning and at night of both of those. So I had to switch. So I dropped my broadcasting major into a minor and completed that. Mm. And then was just an acting major. Summer after I graduated, I worked at the AMC movie theater. No, oh, yeah. That's where I worked the summer before. And then I moved uh, into the city and continued working at the AMC movie theater, River <laughs> North, uh, until I started serving. I love that movie theater. Yeah, the River North one. It's I nice. Love, yeah. Nice movie theater. <laughs> I would have ripped your ticket any day, baby girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, two years after I graduated, I moved to LA. Oh, yeah. So that's what I was doing. And then I worked at the Sprinkles Cupcakes at the Americana at Brand. Wow. <laughs> right. Things were happening. Things were happening. They were moving, moving quickly. Um, as an acting major, it was not difficult to, des- to decide what industry I wanted to work in yeah. after mm-hmm. college because it pretty much had to be serving. <laughs> it had to be something that gave you a lot of flexibility. <laughs> one option. <laughs> I had pretty much that, uh, working at the movie theater and then working in a restaurant was pretty much all you could do if you were going to go on auditions. And yeah. I had like an internship that was, fine, but it was more just unpaid labor than like an internship where I learned anything. I mean, I learned that I would never go into casting. (laughs) Oh, was it for for like a casting company? Yeah, I was at a casting agency. So we did the front desk and we had like different shifts that we ran at the company. So we did, again, like something that you would pay someone for, um, but we did not get paid. Uh, Mm -hmm. You ran the front desk. So when auditions were coming in, people would sign in um, and whether or not it was union or not, you had to see like different paperwork from them. Then you collected all of the resumes Mm -hmm. and the headshots. And then when we were actually in the room during the audition, we ran, uh, we were readers. So uh, mm, you would like read the other lines. Yeah, read the other lines Ooh. or gave light, light cues. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you got to be in the room after they, the 
actor or actress would leave the room and you would hear the casting directors be like, I think this person is good for this yeah. role. Oh, wow, that's cool. Well, this is, I mean, in Chicago, it's not like you go into, you're more going there to get your audition submitted elsewhere. Gotcha. So you're okay. actually not really ever in the room with the casting director, you're with the like associates. Mm. And then they would basically be like, oh yeah, we can send this in. Or um, a few times they were like, we're going to delete this. And I was like, wow, what a big fucking waste of time Whoa. for everyone involved. Wow. <laughs> and that's when I was like, nope, not for me. <laughs> mm. I don't want to do this. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. Wow. So when you guys transitioned from school to the working world, mm -hmm. you know, like graduating from college, it, it's a big deal. It feels big in your life because you no longer have that structure that we were talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. And how, how did that feel for, for you guys? Did it, was it overwhelming? Was it exciting? I think it was exciting. Like the first two years that I was finding my grounds. Cause mm -hmm. I don't think I had enough time to really self reflect and check in with like how I was feeling you know, because there was so much to learn, so much to absorb. Um, I wanted to make a good impression with my managers and all my coworkers. So I think I was kind of kept on my toes, working night shifts, working overtime. I didn't really start to feel that, okay, what's next? Until I was a little bit more comfortable where I was working. I mean, I was very lucky that I was able to you know, go and live at home for that summer mm. after college. Um, and that, and, and it was actually perfect timing because their secretary was going on maternity leave. And so they needed me for like four months. They were like, we could hire a temp, but you are here. You can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just answering phones. Um, and I was like, sure. Great. You know, uh, I, I needed, like, I didn't have any prospects. I didn't mm -hmm. have anything planned for, after college. So I sort of fell into this, this world of like, okay, well, what now? Mm. I guess I'm going to go home sure, and figure it out, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but Becky, it sounds like you didn't really do that. You, you left. You, I left. I left immediately. <laughs> you like yeah. went into the city. Yeah. Big girl well, in the city. You know, you spend four years in rural Illinois and <laughs> you don't, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. I don't know how people did grad school there. Um, but yeah, it was, I think I lived at home for maybe like three or four weeks before yeah. I moved in with one of my girlfriends downtown. Mm. Um, just cause I'd spent most summers except for, I think the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I went home and worked. And then after that I had to do, I had to work in normal because I had to take summer school mm -hmm. to get all my hours done. Cause it was hard to do like the two majors plus what they needed after school and before school. It was just like, right. you'd basically be awake. Like when I was doing the TV station, you'd have to like wake up at like four or five and then you have rehearsal until 10 oh and God. then you have all your normal classes during the day. And so I was like, I need to just take the minimum amount of classes during the school year and then I will take my other classes during summer school. Because it was like the same price and we were staying in our, you know, yeah. apartments. It was fine. Hmm. Wait, what was the TV station? It was called TV 10. So it was like a, a student a TV channel. Yeah. <laughs> it was, they honestly, they found uh, one of my old teachers, like got our, some old like real stuff that we did and put it on TikTok. And I was like, oh my God. Are you in it? Deeply, deeply horrified. I was like trying to get rid of my accent. So I was like doing this like horrible 
horrible voice. Uh, it was very embarrassing. It was deeply <laughs> embarrassing. Oh my but, gosh. Uh, still fun. Yeah, I learned yeah. how to edit and yeah, use the camera and set up all my shots and stuff. Uh, and I got to see uh, Obama. Whoa. I think I got to see Joe Biden. Oh. And then Obama was outside. Okay, uh, I was like, wait. <laughs> so I think it was like Joe Biden was from? No, he's not. No. Just Obama's Obama. from Chicago. Yeah. But they were down for something. So I was squeezed in between NBC and ABC. And I was like, excuse me, your camera's in my way. Ah! <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. I'm here. I am Becky. Please excuse me. Can I get a quote? Can I get a quote? That is pretty cool. But yeah, it was a lot of after and before school. So I just wanted to like leave as soon as I was done with school. I wanted to go into the city. Like, there also like weren't any jobs in my. It's not like I did some community theater because I lived near a community college at my parents' house, mm-hmm. but there weren't that many theaters around there. Things that you could work on, yeah, mm-hmm. and to do to the audition things, or anything to do the things that you wanted to do, you had to go into the city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I that. So it was just about like saving money. Did you uh, learn anything in college that you brought into the real world? Like, can you think of anything super specific? Obviously, I feel like Maggie, <laughs> like nursing, you you bring everything that you learned in college yeah. into the hospital. Yeah, you learn a lot more when you actually start doing things, though. I always tell <clears throat> nursing students that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did being a CNA in school help your grades or like help your studies? I can't say it like directly affected my grades, but I think that sometimes new grad nurses have a hard time applying what they learned um, in the classroom plus how to talk to f- families and patients. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I got pretty comfortable interacting with physicians, charge nurses, nurses. I felt like I had that down pretty easily. I feel like if I didn't have that experience in the past, I may have struggled with the amount of things that I had to apply almost immediately. And I also had the charting system down, which is like another big thing that is a learning hurdle for sure for a lot of people who are newer. Um, so I was really fortunate to have had that job when I did, even though it was a lot, but yeah, very lucky. Mm-hmm. I had a, so I have a lot of friends that I went to college with who, um, who didn't work when they were in college. Like w- the, the college that I went to was like a smaller college and it was very, uh, heavily academic. And mm-hmm. so like, um, if you like a lot of the times you were either going to class or you were studying or you were, you know, doing your essays, your homework, your, uh, dissertation, um, type Mm -hmm. thing. And like I had friends who played sports and they would go, uh, you know, they would do their practice, they would go to class and then they were in the library and then they would sleep. Like that's all they did. You know, like they did not, they didn't, uh, like have a part-time job or anything like that. It was like, Mm. it was very much, college was a place to, uh, to like pack your brain with information. Mm -hmm. Um, and when they left school, they had a really difficult time because they had never been in the working world. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. was like, uh, you know, they, they were in their school books all through, um, uh, high school to get into college. And then Mm -hmm. in college they were, you know, trying to get straight A's so that they could like, because that's just what you did. Mm-hmm. And so then we graduate and and there there's a you're in a very difficult situation where you don't know how to function in the real world. Mm. Um and you know a lot of those people kind of got like slid into um 
internships and things like that for like people that would, um, come in and, um, what's the word, uh, find people. Oh, recruiters, recruiters, Mm. you know? So, so they like went off with recruiters to go to like different companies. Mm. Um, but had a really difficult time working and like going to, uh, just the kind of the living your life part of it, Mm. not having the structure Mm -hmm. of, Mm. um, of school and, and studying, uh, I worked during college. And so I feel like I was prepared to go into the working world, Mm. but Mm -hmm. you certainly, if you've never had to hone your, um, customer service voice, (laughs) Uh, it's very difficult to do it on the spot for the first time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're, if, if you have like a boss come up to you, like this is incorrect, you know, like you did this wrong. Can you imagine, like, what, what, what would you do? It would just be like, I'm sorry. Like I, I, I imagine some of the people that I went to college with would, would, would just like start crying. They'd just be like, I've never had any critical feedback like that before, mm-hmm. you know? Oh. In terms of when your boss yells at you and you don't know what to do, what what advice do you have for when your uh, boss yells at you? Take a deep breath. Uh, well, when you go into your first job, I wanted to be friends with everybody. You know, I wanted everybody to like me. I I want I didn't want to be left out of you know like um, uh, events and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. like some to. T- two art handlers that I worked with were going out for drinks after. And I was like, you know, I was like a little hurt. They didn't invite me, but I'm 23 years old. Why would they invite me? These guys are like 50, you know? (laughs) And, and, um, uh, and so kind of realizing that people have their own lives and you're not the center of their universe, um, is, is hard. (laughs) It's really hard, you know? Um, I think it's good to remember too, like if your boss is yelling at you or something, this obviously does not apply to Maggie, but what I used to remind myself is nobody's going to die. <laughs> I was like, what I'm doing right now is not, nobody's going to die because I didn't give them ranch. Like I'm not going to kill anyone because they yeah. didn't get their ranch today. There are bigger things in the world. No screaming over ranch. Yeah. No yeah. screaming over ranch. So that's what I was like, you probably couldn't have taken that advice because, um, yes, yeah, very possible. <laughs> very possible. Yeah. Very possible. Mm-hmm. But for those first jobs, if they're like more not necessarily what you're wanting to focus on in your career or your life, try not to sweat getting in trouble for certain things because yeah. it's like yeah, you're, someone's always going to have a different opinion or a different approach to what you're doing and you just kind of got to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Do you guys look back on some of the worst jobs that you've had and think like, that was a good, like, I'm glad I did that it was an experience that helped me like gain the knowledge to get to where I am. Or do you just look back? <laughs> I try to look at every job that I've had or role that I've had and take something positive. Cause you have to like, mm-hmm. even if it was like a horrible experience for you, maybe you took a skill from whatever you got from it and applied it to like where you are. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Even, yeah. even like working with a, a difficult coworker or something like that. Oh yeah. You know, like you, you gain from that. You, yeah. you learn how to deal with people that you don't particularly like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a skill. It's a life skill mm-hmm. for sure. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit more specifically about your first job. 
out of college, how many jobs did you apply for? Mm. And what was the application process like? Did you physically hand someone your resume, a la like a, a restaurant? Um, or was it more like you met with somebody that you knew, informational interviews, things like that? Mm. Um, yeah, how, how did you get some of your jobs? So I applied to, I think, four local hospitals in the area. And then I did clinical rotations at three of the four of them. Um, and then two of them, I actually, I had two care partners. I was like super stressed that I wasn't going to have a job um, after college because everyone told me I was way too specific. Everyone told me that peds was very uh, competitive. So I, most of the people I went to school with didn't have care partner jobs. I had to. Wow. I was just like very, <laughs> like I was very much like, my dad and my dad was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have like two jobs while I'm in school, which was not recommended. <laughs> um, and so I basically introduced myself to the managers on that floor um, and did everything I could to make a good impression. Yeah. Yeah. Because then when you graduate, you go back to those managers and you're like, mm -hmm. I'm out of school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. What you Hello. got for me? <laughs> I've been working so hard. Please give me a job. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how I approached it. Yeah. I, so, you know, there was sort of the interim job in Houston that I took with my dad. But when I moved to Chicago, it was definitely just throwing a very wide net mm. of, because uh, I graduated during the, during two, in, in 2009. And that was when like, no jobs. Mm -hmm. Everybody like their unemployment was, was pretty bad and, uh, and nobody was hiring. And so the thing to do was just to like take, take informational interviews with people, network, uh, and, and really just, just try to meet people mm -hmm. so that you could, so that your resume would stand out, uh, amongst the thousands of other resumes that were out there. Um, you know, having a very um, broad major, anthropology and sociology, did not help me. Mm. I I went into this like I was applying for every job. Basically, if I didn't know anybody, I didn't have anything they wanted. Yeah, a lot I, of the time they want experience, and they like, want, how do you experience yeah, when you have? They want ex that is the big thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. They like how do you get experience to get a job like it, it's it's a it's a catch-22 and mm -hmm. it's and it's a really tough one and so um yeah I just I was basically just throwing resumes at people mm -hmm. um not physically like you know mailing mm -hmm. them off emailing them off uh mailing them to people that I knew to hand them off to other people that maybe had a position open or something like that um you know I I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And so I was able to kind of look around. I, I, uh, I interviewed for, uh, t um, temp companies, you know, mm. just to get like temp jobs and, uh, while I was, um, trying to find something else. Mm -hmm. I interviewed for insurance companies. I, I just needed a job. And, um, and so I, I was in a, um, a, a very 
privileged position to be able to take an unpaid internship. Mm. I had a place that I really did want to work, um, which, you know, I know it isn't everybody's situation, but going to work every day and then just trying to keep the lights on until they could start paying me. Mm. Um, and I, I was under the impression that when a position opened up at this company that I would, you know, because I'm working here for free, that I would be the next person hired, mm -hmm. you know? And that's yeah. exactly how it happened. Like the, the, the assistant registrar, uh, decided to go to a museum and they were like, well, Ariel already knows how to do the job. And I was like, this is exactly why I'm here. <laughs> you know, like it, it all kind of worked out for me. Um, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Cause sometimes those things don't work out. No. Yeah. What was your first job that you really had to like, like that you wanted so badly that you walked up to them and you were like, I would like to apply for this job. None. No, I mean, I had to apply for jobs like that because I was just looking for any job. I've always been like, yeah. since I was like in high school, I was like, you got a job, I'll do it. Ah, <laughs> sure, sure. I'll be a dishwasher's assistant. Great. How much does it pay? <laughs> okay, great. So I kind of just went in with that. I was like, okay, great. You'll pay me to rip tickets? Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> How did you decide to go into makeup school? Um, that was more once I'd lived in LA for like two or three years, maybe two years. And I decided I was like acting not for me, not working out. I have lots of friends that still do it, but I don't envy the position that they're in a lot because of the jobs they have to take or the things they have to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was just honestly looking for another career that could get me kind of close to like movies um, and I thought I wanted to do special effects. And then I went to school and was doing special effects and was like, oh, absolutely not. Not for me. No, mm. thank you. This is very fun, but mm -mm. You were really good mm -mm. at it. I remember seeing some of the stuff that you did. It was fun. It was just a lot of like steps. Like you had to remember a lot. And it was very technical. Like especially once you got to like doing like full prosthetics, that was like full techie. Like Whoa. you had to have a mind mm -hmm. for math <laughs> and other things like that, that I definitely did not. <laughs> so I needed a lot of reminding of things. Mm. <laughs> and it takes a lot of like, uh, like when you're doing like wig work or beards or facial hairs, it takes a lot of like patience. Mm. And I realized I did not have that patience. Yeah. <laughs> it was not there for me. Hair by hair. <laughs> yeah. Literally. literally. Literally hair by hair. It just has, you just have to go into a Zen state. It becomes yeah. very meditative. Yeah, you really mm -hmm. had to. I feel like you would probably be the makeup artist who is just like, chat, 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 chat. Basically. Yeah. I mean, they even told us in school, they were like, do you watch TV and see bad makeup sometimes? And we we're like, yeah. They're like, okay, well, that's because someone just liked working with this person. <laughs> it's oh not God. that they are, you know, the best makeup artists in the world. They just don't want to be around someone who's in a crappy mood for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, right. the days are really long. That's a good tip. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It was a good, I, I mean, I liked going to school. It was fun. Um, but by the end of it, I was definitely like done. Yeah. I'm not a person that's ever going to go back to school again. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of friends going to grad school right now and I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I do not want to go to school anymore. <laughs> Were there any lessons, uh, that you guys learned in your early career that like, are like mistakes that you made? <laughs> for sure. The amount of times I forgot ketchup when someone asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> out of my head out of my head but you learned how to talk to people 
Oh yeah. Learned how to talk to people, learned how to put on a good face, mm-hmm. even when you might not necessarily feel good. Uh, and then like, yeah, some, I, I got to learn some crisis management skills yeah. <laughs> from some emergencies that happened. Right. <laughs> and so I learned I am a person who can keep a clear head when something horrifying happens. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like that interview question that everybody asks, like what, uh, you know, like, have you managed a crisis? And <gasps> yeah. Like, what do you, what do you do in a crisis? Yeah. I yeah. feel like Maggie is, would be so good in a crisis. She'd oh, just yeah. be like, okay. We, oh God, we let's calm. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. <laughs> let's assign some roles. Let's breathe. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there something like in your early nursing career that you just would never do again? Never do. I don't know if there's anything I would, oh, like while I was being exposed to different specialties. Sure. Oh, I really do not like the smell of cautery. Ugh. I don't think I could ever anybody? do or <laughs> OR nursing. Well, some people can tolerate it. They just Ooh. spend the whole, like mo- the majority of their time in the OR. And I think that that was one thing that I just, I don't know. And I can't never say never. I have a friend who also said that she would never work in the OR. And here she is. She's working in the OR. She switched jobs like I think a couple months ago. She's like, I thought I'd never do it, but I actually really love it. So I, I can't say I'd never do it, but. I remember vividly that I told myself, I was like, I will not do this. Mm-mm. Mm. Mm-mm. I also like talking to people. Yeah. And in the OR, all your patients are sleeping. Right. So that's, that's not very fun. That's not very fun. <laughs> that's not very fun. Very one-sided conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and even when they wake up, you're like, hello. And they're still like not 100% like, there. Oh, girl, 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 girl. Yeah. You are talking to me too much, lady. <laughs> I'm yeah. still waking up. Yeah. I feel like uh, one of the things that I learned... <laughs> in my first like few years of working is that a work day is really long. Work days are very long. They're really, mm-hmm. really long. Yeah. Like eight hours is, is a long time to oh, sit at a that. desk mm. or work at a computer mm-hmm. or like, you know, like you have to find balance in your work where you can kind of, I don't know, take some time for yourself for part of the day. Like I know that uh, your employer would never say to do that. Uh, you know, they they want you to just like sit there and work, work, work. And, yeah. but you will get more joy and you know, like honestly better work out of yourself if you kind of take breaks and, mm-hmm. uh, but oh my goodness, like just that getting into work at eight and sitting in the same chair for, <laughs> multiple hours yeah yeah it's, it's hard see if you can get an ergonomic yeah. like evaluation very early on so you're at least set up correctly mm-hmm. basically the only reason i know what this is is because my mom used to teach a class at her job but she did that on the side as well but she, you just make, basically make sure that everything is aligned like your keyboards aligned, your feet are like properly elevated and your back's like nice because if you're going to be sitting at a computer all day you don't want to I mean, that takes a toll on your body over time. Yeah. So if you can request that early on <laughs> before you start working, that would be fabulous. So at least you are starting off on the right page. Mm, I love that. And yeah. if you're going to be on your feet all day, get some good shoes. Get shoes are important. Even if they're shoes. hideous. Yeah. Yep. Even if they're the ugliest shoes you've ever worn. Yeah. I'm team ugly shoe. Mm-hmm. Woo! So 100%. <laughs> yeah, you are on your feet all the time. 
you were on your feet all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to wear tennis shoes to work because you know, like when you're handling art, you can't wear like heels or anything like that. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're just like Mm -hmm. safety first. Yeah. Let's transition into uh, talking a little bit about work and passion Hmm. and the, I don't know, the interplay between the two Uh, because coming out of college, I know I was like, I want to find a job that I love. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to get paid to do something that I want to do every day. You'll never work a day in your life. Exactly. (laughs) If you love your job. The capitalism motto. Yeah. You'll never work a day in your life if you find your passion. So what was the relationship between work and passion for you guys? I'm passionate. I like find fulfillment in the work that I do, but I wouldn't say that what I do at work is my end all be all. Mm -hmm. I have to still actively do things for myself and cultivate hobbies and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Work doesn't have to be my passion. Um, sometimes people ask me, they're like, why don't you make like more like nurse content? And I feel like that isn't true to me. I feel like I have so many other hobbies that I enjoy and I don't need to make that the center of my personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. You separated work from your like personality and home life. Yeah. Or I just have other things that also fill my cup and mm-hmm. There's some yeah. things that I'm comfortable sharing and some things that aren't. Yep. That makes sense. Man. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm all in it for the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always been in it for the money. Yeah. That uh, Since I was 15, <laughs> when I went to work, it was to make money so that I could not have to go to work. <laughs> it's fair. So I always tried to find jobs that I could do, make the most amount of money. To sustain you. S- to sustain. And yeah. then so that I could have decent days off. Yeah. Yeah. Like serving was like, especially in Chicago, because there were very loose labor laws. Mm. Like I would work like a 14 hour serving shift, which sucked, hated it. But Mm -hmm. then getting the next day off and having like $1,500 cash, like kind of made it worth it. Okay, (laughs) But I don't think like I've never had a job where I sat at a computer or a desk or the most that I've gotten like closest to it was retail. And that Mm. was just like normal eight hour shifts that were like, and you get a lunch. But Isn't yeah, that nice? it was always like, I just want to be working near something that I liked. Like I like food and I like people. Mm-hmm. And when I was working retail, I like makeup. So I wanted to be near that, but I don't want to bring any of it home. I want my work to be my work. And it's the thing that I do to pay bills, but yeah, not, I'll never look back like on my deathbed and be like, oh, I'm so glad I was a waitress <laughs> or like, <laughs> oh, I just loved all those years I spent working. <laughs> Eventually, I want to look back and I will remember experiences that I had and like family more than I'll remember a shitty job I had Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like for me, work has always been to sustain what I want to do outside of work. Mm -hmm. It's never been about like, oh, I'm deeply passionate about Mm. giving people French fries. (laughs) 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 Like when I worked at Sprinkles, it wasn't like, oh, I'm deeply passionate about cupcakes. I just love the way that Becky talks about job sometimes you it's sound like so funny a cartoon character it was i swear deeply passionate deeply about passionate giving about french fries just, oh my the god smile on people's face smile. after i handed them the perfect cup i have friends that are career servers and they work at like big fancy places and yeah. they make wonderful money and they love hanging love out it. with guests and that is beautiful but for me work was always something that makes money so that i can spend it and save it Mm-hmm. to do other things. <laughs> I feel like when I transitioned from uh, like art conservation into interior design, that was when I really found my 
passion. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, it, it also comes along with like, you like things that you're good at. And, and I found that this was something that I could like, I could get sucked into. And I found that I could do it like quickly and I could do it well. And that was very satisfying for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, like throughout sort of the process of, of like creating my own company and being an interior designer, um, I, I also realized that I didn't love working with clients, <laughs> you know? And so you like, you, you kind of have to, it's, it's always shifting the, yeah. the, like the passion part of it, because I was, I was getting weighed down with like working with clients. And I was like, is it because I don't like doing interior design anymore? No, I love doing interior design. I don't like working with people. Mm, Ariel learned <laughs> hates people. Hates people. <laughs> Never go into service. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that sort of, you, you always have to reassess your passion and, and oh, like sure. think, is this, is this filling my bucket? Is this serving me? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, am I getting paid enough to do this? Uh, it's like, and is it taking up Keith? I can hear Keith. him screaming. I can hear him, I I can hear him screaming. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I still have time to do the things that, that like are actually fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of it's like knowing your worth too, especially if you're going to do any of those jobs that were like more, you know, minimum wage jobs. Mm-hmm. Do the job that you are hired for. Don't bring that job home with you. Mm-hmm. And especially with minimum wage jobs, your boss will always ask you to do extra things mm-hmm. that aren't really in your, de- your, job, in description. your job description. And like learning how to set those boundaries mm-hmm. is very yeah. healthy yeah. for your brain. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And for and in every job too, but I think and you know, from my experience, for, minimum wage. <laughs> like your relationships with, with your coworkers, with your boss, like setting yeah. those boundaries is very important. Yeah. So I think like, especially from my personal experience, working minimum wage jobs, there was always, there were always expectations that were set by management to have you do more, to sort of take work home with you, to you know, always be a good player for the company. And like, as I got older, I realized a lot of that was maybe more manipulative Mm -hmm. than it should have been. And so I think for younger people now, just getting out into the workforce who are going to be specifically going for those jobs that are eight to $15 an hour, like know know your worth and know what is required in your job. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to give more than that. And you don't have to feel bad Mm -hmm. when you don't. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because your goes, boss isn't your friend also. Right. So that's like probably the biggest mm-hmm. life lesson is your boss is not your friend. Don't mm-hmm. ever conflate that. Yeah. It'll only lead to trouble. Your boss is not your friend. Your boss is your boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that kind of old fashioned um, belief that like when that you are lucky to have a job, mm-hmm. you know, that's that isn't always the case that you are lucky to have your job. You know, there. Mm-hmm there is probably a job out there that is suited for you that, that like can really fulfill you in life. And Mm -hmm. if you're not in that job, uh, keep looking for it. Yeah. And I mean, they say right now that there's like quote unquote, a labor shortage. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not a labor shortage. It's a shortage of, um, people wanting to pay employees to do work that, you know, paying an adequate livable wage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, there, there are jobs. And so 
coming from the other side of like, as somebody who has hired other people, Mm. um, hiring is not a fun process. Mm -hmm. And so when you find somebody who, who fits the description of the job that you're looking for and that, and who you think is actually going to be a really good, you know, uh, person for the, for the company, Mm -hmm. that person can ask for things. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like you just accept what you're given. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a give and a take. You know, yeah. you you can ask for like for more time off. You can ask to work from home. Like ask for the things that you need because mm-hmm. it's like you, you don't just have to go to work and do your job and do exactly what your boss tells you. You know, it's a it's it's a it's a give and a take. Yeah. Look up OSHA. Just look up the OSHA laws in your state, mm-hmm. you know, before you get a job, just so you can see, just so you can know, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times employers will tell you're not allowed to go to the bathroom at a certain time and that's very illegal. Yeah. You're allowed to, you're allowed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Rainy's like, they told me I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom here. <laughs> um, how do you say, so like, for example, if your boss is like, oh, like we really, like somebody somebody quit and we need you to take on more response. Like, can you just do this? Can you just make, can you just, you know, fill in? How would you say to your boss? Like, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I would say if it was me and I'm looking back again, let's say it's when I was getting paid, you know, like $15 an hour, I would have said, I would love to be a team player and I can help out as much as I can while I'm here. But unfortunately I can't take on any more days unless I'm going to be compensated for those days that I'm taking on or the extra responsibility that I'm taking on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I, I I mean, it's a different work environment working in like an office mm-hmm. and uh w- you know, working in like a group setting <coughs> where you uh you know, you might take on a certain responsibility just to help somebody out. But well, let's see. When I worked at One Kings Lane, there were times when like somebody would be out and but their work their job still needed to get done, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so maybe you had to kind of take on a little bit of that or somebody left and they, and y- y- you kind of absorbed their job at that point, I, I would do it, but I would also go to my manager and say, you know, I, I feel like I have taken on a lot of extra responsibility. Um, you know, I think that it's probably time for, um, uh, like, to be compensated uh, in like accordingly um, or like, is there a, a, a title change in the works or anything like that? You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to like, you don't just do it blindly. You, you ask for, for what you think you deserve because like your manager probably knows that you've taken on the extra responsibility. And if you're, if you're doing well, then uh, you probably deserve a, a title change or a salary boost. But you max. <laughs> It's kind of harder, I feel. I feel like nurses t- take on a lot of roles. There was some shifts mm-hmm. where I was like, man, I feel like I am the social worker. I feel like I am the pharmacist. I feel like I am EVS, which is like environmental services, uh, depending on how staffed. Sometimes I wouldn't have a care partner, so I would be taking on a lot of roles. And that was like close to the time where I was feeling really burnt out. Um, but that's like a discussion. I don't even know if you can have that with your managers, at that point, it's almost time to get union or mm-hmm. like upper management involved in being like, hey, we don't have enough resources on this floor at the moment and it's really starting to affect everyone. And then as a result, like patient care is be- being affected as well. 
and mm-hmm. safety. So yeah. power to the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've called charge nurses before and been like, where's upper management? We need more people on the floor. Like this mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Like everyone feels like we're drowning right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to kind of not put on like a professional face in front of patients when you feel so drained. It ebbs and flows. There are times where staffing is very good and we're staffed accordingly. And then there's also times where it's not so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you guys asked for a raise? Absolutely. Think. I've asked for a raise. I mean, it's like a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten an extra quarter. <laughs> I, I like, I sort of inherited somebody else's job responsibilities when they left. Um, and, and I did it for a while and then, um, you know, kind of realized that like, okay, this is actually a bigger deal than, than like just kind of doing this other person, like doing this other, so we we had like categories of stuff. So I was like an art category and they were jewelry and I sort you know, so, so then I was doing art and jewelry and my title was still the same. And, you know, I was still doing all the same work. I was just doing it for two different categories. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I went to my boss and I was like, you know, um, like if you kind of compare what I'm doing to what everybody at my level is doing, um, I am doing more. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, you know, that my title should reflect that. And I also believe that I should be compensated for, um, you know, for, for doing extra, uh, not, not, not like doing extra, but be compensated for, f- be the, fairly compensated yeah, for the amount the, of the salary that spending. I agreed to yeah. was for the job that I was doing before. Mm-hmm. And the job is different now. And this is what I think th- I should be making. Um, and, you know, usually there's a, uh, your manager will be like, okay, great. Uh, well, you know, thank you for letting me know. Well, I'll talk mm-hmm. to, you know, X, Y, Z, um, and, and we'll let you know. And so then, you know, uh, it's, then it goes to HR and eh, I don't know, it, 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 you know, all companies work a little bit differently, but, mm-hmm. um, the similarity is that you do just have to ask, uh, if you feel that you deserve more. Yeah, I did. I did the same thing. I just said mm-hmm. it was, at both of my, uh, well, at my first job serving, you got paid for training. So if you had someone shadowing you and then the job that I had in Beverly Hills serving, they did not pay you for training. So I was a trainer and I was training new people that were coming in, but like it, it, you know, takes time to train someone. It takes time out of, you know, the service that you're giving to the guests that are there. And, uh, I just, yeah, told my boss, I said, I love training people and this is really fun, but if I'm not going to have a different rate hourly while I'm doing that, then unfortunately I can't continue to train because it's, yeah. I think it is sort of eating into my service. Oh, yeah. it and takes- it's like a little more awkward when, once you get in the certain times when you're like really in the weeds with tables, like even having to talk about that to someone and tell them like, okay, this is in the weeds. Like even having to like vocalize what was wrong was like, Oh my God. It's it so would be so much easier yeah. if I was just by myself and I didn't have to tell you what I was doing. Right. I could yeah. multitask by myself, but with you here and you feel like you have to show them exactly the yeah. way that you management showed you how to do things, which there's always like little workarounds where you have your own little, oh, yeah. there are. but yeah. yeah, we weren't compensated for it at first, but then I, just asked to the talk to the managers and talk to HR about it, and they did end up giving us extra two dollars. That's fantastic. <laughs> but you know what? I'll take it. Yeah. Hey, 
I mean, when you were getting That's nothing important. before, and now you're getting yeah. the extra two dollars. Yeah. yeah, it worked out. Teaching's and hard. Not yourself. everyone is gifted at teaching too, and talking no. for hours on end. Yeah, I work at a teaching hospital, and sometimes they were there the entire twelve hours when we were training new people, and they don't give you a bonus until after your preceptor's been there for six months, and it's like a little like boop. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, I was like, wow, I am sick of hearing myself talk this much. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can somebody else talk? <laughs> and then you're like second guessing yourself because you're like, wait, is that the way that I was taught to do this? Or is that some like, <laughs> is that just how you way do that it? I do it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's do one more question about slow living and like how, what you think about slow living on TikTok and then wrap it up because we're at. Slow living. What is that? Rainy, you might have to tell us about slow that's living. Kind of yeah. That's not on my feed. My also, oh, my, I thought it was everybody's, but maybe it's not a trend. Tell us about slow living, Rainy. What is it? Yeah. It's literally, it's just like you focus on like um, enjoying the passage of time and just like, you know, waking up, having coffee. It's like anti-capitalist at its core. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Of just like work doesn't matter. And... Have fun. I love that. I feel like I kind of, uh, uh, you know, flowed into that where it was less like work doesn't have to be your passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I understand that aspect. Mm-hmm. I would say we still live in a capitalistic society, though. So yeah. it's hard to be like slow living and make rent. Right. The two. Things, I have questions for those people. Yeah. The two things. <laughs> it's seem hard like to coexist. Don't agree with each other mm-hmm. because you, you know, I guess. There are ways to make money doing that. I I know what you're talking about, Rainy. Where yeah. like I've seen it, it, Instagram accounts that are like, you know, people move to uh, Germany and just live in a exactly uh, you yeah. know like a farmhouse. Uh, but they but like they make money by by like documenting it, <laughs> you know, for people and and yeah. kind of like taking these beautiful pictures of their you know their butter or Ooh. something, you know, like. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. But I feel like, it, it, yeah, for most people, you've got to do a job in order mm-hmm. to also have money to do the things you're passionate about. Yeah. I met a beautiful person on the plane, the last plane ride I took. She was 19 years old. She was traveling with her dog in a little carrier. She's like, yeah, I'm moving to this town. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a virtual assistant. I'm 19 years old. I just decided that I was going to live in this town and like explore it for three months. And then I'm going to pick up and I'm going to live somewhere else. I'm like, huh? Wow. I wish I could do that. That sounds real nice. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely a shift in priorities from when our parents were younger. I think that's what we got from our parents was like, you have to have a job that's mm-hmm. going to be your job forever. That's how you support your life and yeah. your family and all these things, which yeah. is true. But I think what I'm seeing from the children on the internet these <laughs> days is that they are vibing more with, no, I'm just going to work a job that I can do Yeah, that still gives me enough freedom to be able to do things that I want to do and be able to sustain my life where it's not like they don't live to work. Yeah. They truly work to live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I yeah, think that's sure. a nice... A nice shift. Rachel posted something about that on our Instagram the other day. Yeah. She was doing like an AMA and someone asked what she saw the girls doing for work later. And she's like, I mean, they're toddlers, so I try not to <laughs> I try not to think I about try not it. to force like a narrative that, you know, what yeah. what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I mean, that's what all we were asked when we were younger. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do? I know. 
I just think of our parents. So many of our parents like worked for the same company for like 30 years. I think oh, my yeah. dad worked for the company that he was at for 35 years. And when he retired, they left like a little thing on his desk. His manager didn't even tell him about it and was mm-hmm. just like here. Yeah. And it just like breaks my heart. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, after all that time. After all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. To close, it, I, I think it that things are changing. Be, uh, I was with Wes the other day and we sat next to a couple of gentlemen at lunch. We were having like a, like a mommy and Wes lunch. And uh, Wes started chatting with these guys and they're like, well, you are, you know, you're a, such a nice young man. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and I realized that nobody's ever asked Wes that question. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why would you? He's a child. Yeah. Why would you ask him what he wanted to be? He was completely stunned. He didn't know what to say. Just silent. Did not know. Mm. He was like, I, I want to be grown up. Aww. I think he said, I think he said, I want to be tall. <laughs> Same. I want to be Aww. tall. He's like, I'm still working on it. But like, yeah. it didn't even occur to him to no. think like, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a businessman, you know? Yeah. Because we aren't asking him to shape his life in that way anymore. No. You know, I saw a girl on TikTok who did one of those stitches and I was like, what's your dream job? And it's stitched with the girl and she's like, I do not dream of going to work. <laughs> no. She's like, I don't dream of work. <laughs> I dream of other things. Yeah. So go kids. Good job, kids. <laughs> Good your for work you. life balance is going to be a lot better than ours was. Yeah. yeah. Which is all you want for future generations. It's all about balance. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all about balance and finding a like f- people at work that you can stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like so- a c- society collectively will benefit from people having, everyone having work-life balance. Yeah. yeah. 100%. In that case, that case, that is the end of our episode. Wow. What a beautiful way to end. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to rate, subscribe, hit that automatic download button. Uh, Continue wearing your mask, washing your hands, peeing after sex. What else? Get voting. boosted. Voting. 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 Yes. Into some voting time. Yeah. I've got a primaries right now. Yeah. No. Not, it's the, the generals. Or, the, yep. Right. For Make sure Senate. you're registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.